0: Welcome back to India on 99.94. I'm Nikesh Raghani, your host, BBC commentator, alongside Sara Warris, as always, of Wisden. And Sara, we're here today to discuss the Indian Women's Series against Australia, five T20 matches. It kind of it feels to me as though it's a little bit more about just the result and uh, just the cricket that was played and just what this series has done for women's cricket in India. I know you and Jared discussed this briefly midway through the series as well, particularly after that India victory with the, the match that was tied at the D.Y. Patil and the crowds that we've seen and all that kind of stuff. Just tell us a little bit more about your from, from your point of view, what does this series mean for women's cricket in India?
1: Hi, Nikesh. Good to be here, as always. Um, yeah, this series... Years later, when, you know, people are just scrolling through the the scoreboards and all, they'll be like, okay, 4-1, it was a very one-sided series. And Australia, the world champions, India never had a chance, etc, etc. All that is true. Like, But the overall context of the series, I think, can be a game changer in Indian cricket. Uh, just the fact that during the fifth T20, India had lost the series. The match was on a Tuesday. And there were more than almost 20,000 people in Mumbai watching the match. That speaks volumes, A, about the fact that people are there to support the Indian women's team and B, that uh, people are voluntarily there to do it. So the first two or three T20Is, I think they were free or like they were free or they were not priced. They were free and all that. So people had a bigger incentive that, you know, I'll go and I don't have to spend money. I'll just watch cricket. Obviously, for the last t 20 i two T20Is, the BCCI was like, okay, wow, this went beyond what we expected. And so they priced the tickets, obviously, not a lot. It was around 100 to 100 rupees in, in Indian currency, which is not a lot. Uh But still, you know, the fact that people paid for it, it was a working day Tuesday and they travelled Mumbai traffic, everyone knows about Mumbai traffic, they uh, went and saw the women's team who have lost the series already and went and supported them, that to me, like, that is the real big deal about this women's, uh, about this series, like, that is, that potentially has the, um like, Indian cricket could go on so much further because of this series, and the series just shut up the bcci you know all the naysayers who are like you know no one watches women's cricket no one watches it willingly but this series i think just went a long way in shutting them up and showing that you know the women's ipl can be a big su- success oh, i know you didn't see the series but staying there like in england what were the reports like like you know were there any like, any sort of coverage coverage newspaper clippings or just based on what you could.
0: Yeah, it, it was disappointing that it wasn't shown on TV in the UK. There there were some highlights on the BCCI website. So, you know, every, every opportunity I got, I, I had a look at that. Enjoyed watching the the Tide match, the second one at the uh, DY battle, which India then won in the Super Overs. So so saw bits and bobs as well. Um, I mean, just look, scrolling through social media and, and speaking to people within cricketing circles, as well i think the feeling was there that look this this mm. could be a landmark moment for women's cricket in india you're right the bcci have, have got this sort of attitude that nobody watches women's cricket indian women's cricket in particular and you know there's there's just not as much interest there which is why they've pushed back the ipl for years and years and finally uh, they've given into the pressure really And announced that it will take place in March. I think one good thing actually that the BCCI did even before this series was, you know, we were talking about this as well. Should the women's IPL be played alongside the men's IPL and have double headers like they do in the Big Bash or they used to do in the Big Bash uh, quite a lot? They do in the 100, of course, in England, uh, pretty much all double headers there. And I think in a way it's good that the women's IPL is going to have its own separate window because that will really just focus on the women's competition. It won't be people turning up to stadiums who want to see the men, but they might turn up for the last hour or so of the women's game just to you know, soak up the atmosphere or whatever. It will just be all about the women's game. So that will be a test first and foremost, but also I think it will give the women's game an opportunity to put itself in the shop window without any other distractions I mean we don't have that great detail on on the women's IPL as of now we've got the dates we don't have the teams we don't have I mean there's rumors about certain overseas players already having been signed up to participate in the auction and all that kind of stuff but we just don't know officially any of these details so hopefully some of them will come soon as well but I think yeah the overall feeling uh, around the world in cricketing circles is that this has done a massive amount for women 's cricket in India. you just got to look at the crowds. The fact that okay it was four one to Australia, but it was a bit closer than that wasn 't it i mean okay they they got comfortably beaten in a couple of games, but then you know the super over finished India losing one of them by seven runs you know there, there, there were moments India had their moments, and I suppose the frustrating thing from their point of view is they've had these moments against Australia. <laughs> Many times in recent history, <laughs> yeah. and they've usually been on the wrong side of these moments, bar that super overwin at the D.Y. Battle as well. I suppose, Sara, if, if there's one thing you can take away from the actual cricket, it's that. It's just those yeah. big moments. India don't seem to win against this brilliant Australian side.
1: Yeah, while that is true, there's also the fact that, you know, this Indian women team is there to defeat Australia once a year. They defeated Australia in 2020, they defeated Australia in 2021 in that ODI match and then 2022, which was also Australia's first and only uh, T20I defeat since March 2021, which, you know, is a massive feat for this women's team who are still... um dependent on a few players like the Mandanas and the Harman kors and Dipti Sharmas and to run them close again and again in the Commonwealth Games uh final, you never know, you know, they could have defeated them. Even in the first match which India and Australia played, it was a very close match. Even last year there was this ODI uh match where, you know, if not for that Julian Goswami no ball, India could have gone on to win the series. You never know. So it's it's They keep churning out these performances against Australia, despite uh, we've spoken about it a hundred times, you know, despite all the lacks and the flaws and the lack of infrastructure and the lack of experience and everything and just again again I, I know I'm repeating myself but the fact that if you have 1% of interest like if the BCCI has 1% of interest towards women's cricket so much can change. Another point about the women's IPL um, it's from March the first week of March we don't know who the teams are we don't know the auction like uh what the teams will look like, because obviously you, there is no uh, auctions or anything in place. The men's IPL, which is going to be held later on in March, they already have the auction coming up in a few days. So, you know, that that again just shows that, you know, the uh, uh, haphazard planning of women's cricket in India. And also the fact that the BCCI is, you know, they've opened uh, an auction for the media uh, channels, to come and bid for them, like, you know, for the broadcasting rights and all. But if the, te- uh, if the channels, they don't know who the teams are, then I think that's very unfair that, you know, you are asking them to bid without telling them who the teams are. Obviously, if there's uh, teams like Chennai and Mumbai or RCB even involved, the stakes could be higher for, you know, the channels who are bidding for them than what if there are, no IPL teams involved. So at least, you know, there should be clarity from the BCCI towards everyone involved, towards the stakeholders that, you know, there is a women's IPL team of RCB be involved. So obviously, then Sony or Star or News18 or whoever is bidding will be like, okay, now people will be more interested. So it's just this overall lack of clarity and just everything which is really frustrating, you know, being a women's cricket follower.
0: Well, here's something, I... You look at the BCCI, and it's basically the same people running the men's game as it is the women's game. And I get it, it's, it's one umbrella organization that looks after all cricket now. It never used to be the case, um, but they look after women's cricket as well. Do they need a role within the BCCI? Mm. Just get somebody like an Anjum Joprain or a Mitali Raj or Julan Goswami or somebody that's been there and done it to be the head of women's cricket. Just create a board position head of women's cricket, have it on a you know three-, four-year cycle, whatever it might be, and just get somebody in who knows what they're doing and who cares about it. Isn't that the answer?
1: That is the answer, but the fact that the BCCI president, ex-BCCI president Soru Gangli, till a few months ago, said that women's IPL is not going to be staged because women's cricket doesn't have enough talent, doesn't have enough pool... That itself shows that, you know, at the core, they themselves feel that women's cricket is a lost cause. So why are we even uh, investing in it? Why should we have a different branch of women's cricketer, cricket like Mithali Raj and all on board? Why? Because women's cricket, no one watches women's cricket. No one cares for women's cricket. The women's IPL, again, I'm saying is just being held because there's a lot of pressure and... I think that's the reason why it's being held. Um, and, yeah, so the fact that at the core, they still believe that that nothing is going to come of women's cricket, they're not going to invest in that. And uh, for the first time ever, they're going to have the under-16 uh, women's trophy. I think ODI tro- um, and uh, a league for under-16 um, girls in January, the BCCI has organized it for the first time ever. So that just shows that, you know, till the under-19 stage, you're at your own. And then suddenly, the under-19 stage, BCCI has these tournaments and then they pick and choose these players. So it doesn't give a solid platform for these, you know, these young women out there. That is the reason also why, you know, the men's team obviously, they are superior, but uh, superior in the uh, sense that, you know, they have more skills because from right from age group cricket, they know that, you know, they have this structure in place under 10, under 15, under 16, whatever. Women's team, they don't have any of these age group cricket. So that's another thing which the BCCI has to work on. And yeah, you're right, you know, getting Mithali on board and all the other players will solve that. But are they interested? That's, that's the main point, as always.
0: Well, you mentioned Saurav Ganguly there, and I've got a Saurav Ganguly link um, to all this. Saurav Ganguly, the player and the captain, that is. But we'll take a short break and we'll
2: discuss on the other side. I'm Jared Kimber and I host two podcasts on 99.94. Red Inca, which is chats on trends and stories within the game with a weekly Q&A where I can be asked about anything from a time-travelling Don Bradman to which cricket ground serves the best food. And Double Century, a look at the historical stories that make cricket what it is today. You can search for either of them in your favourite podcast platform or on the 99.94 DM
0: app. So the link I want to make with Saurav Ganguly is it was his test side under his captaincy in 2001, that ended that Australian winning streak of 16 Test matches in a row. They'd lost the first Test in that series, that famous series in Mumbai. And it was the same old story, really. Sachin gets some runs, but India just rolled over. Um, I mean, they had opportunities in that match in the second innings as well, but we won't discuss too too much of the details of that. It was Gilchrist and Hayden who took it away from India in the end uh, with those hundreds when they were five down quite early. But then to, to beat Australia like they did at Eden Gardens in, in that test match and then in Chennai basically thumped them. This Indian women's side has done a similar thing in ending those streaks. Like you mentioned earlier, they, they ended another streak mm-hmm. here with the, that that win at the D.Y. Battle in the second match of this series. I think this could be a, a sort of similar moment in women's cricket mm-hmm. because we saw what that ending that Australian streak did to the men's side across all formats, really. Under Ganguly's captaincy, they then went on to start winning series abroad, start winning finals, including the NatWest in 2002. And, you know, when they'd come up so close before and they'd been losing in finals quite a lot in these tri-series and these various tournaments, they finally got over that hurdle and and they sort of went on to start winning matches abroad. They drew a test series in Australia and, you know, the the rest is history really. Mm. This women's side has got the potential to do something similar as well. I'm not saying they they're going to dominate in the same way as that Ganguly side did. And in fact, that Ganguly side was successful, but it didn't dominate world cricket. Australia was still the number one side, but it was just that India were more consistent. And I think this will give them real belief because, mm. look, the last time they ended the street, they were down under in Australia. You're right, they had opportunities to win that particular series. It didn't happen. Australia then go on this brilliant run. But it's been a wonderful year for the Indian women's team overall, yeah. hasn't it, as well? Because if you look at it, they won in England against a very strong England side, albeit not full strength, but still a very, very strong England side. They then, you know, before that, they got to the Commonwealth final and it was only this great Australian side which stopped them getting over the line. And again, there were opportunities. There were opportunities, yeah, in in that match as well. But they thumped England in the semi as well, which, you know, that was a real statement. And then, you know, just what this series has done, despite the result, I mean, it's it's just been wonderful. Yeah, the Asia Cup as well, mm. of course. So it's it's been a great year for Indian women's cricket. And I think going forward under this leadership of Harmanpreet Kaur and Smriti Mandana as the vice, and you know this new talent pool coming through as well, it's, it's great to see so much talent within the Indian women's team, despite what the BCCI have said. I think the future looks good. Would you agree?
1: Definitely it does. And especially I think the emergence of Richa Ghosh, who again... To uh, like to say it again, Richard Ghosh wasn't part of the Commonwealth squad, the Commonwealth Games squad. She wasn't a part of that squad. Smriti Mandana was surprised about it, and again, the BCCI selectors and you know how how they do their planning and all that. That was put in question, but I think the emergence of Richard Ghosh will help. Um, Fix for India a lot of their issues which they have faced till now that you know it was always the top order it was a lot of reliance on mandana it was a ro- lot of reliance on Harmanpreet Kaur Chemima hasn't really you know lived up to her potential as much has not been as consistent so it was mostly on these two and of course Shafali Verma and the presence of Richard Ghosh will I think just add so much balance to 11 because we've done a podcast where people are uh, where we said that um, uh, India just field a specialist wicket keeper which can't be the case because you know in uh, in the era where everything is changing you need batters you need all-rounders and to have Richa Ghosh in the team is just a big moment for a huge moment for her and I think that could be the step of something new for them. Richard Ghosh has a strike rate of 139.17 in the middle order. And before her, her, no Indian between positions 5 to 8 had made more than 200 runs and had a strike rate of 120, which, you know, speaks volumes about how what the Indian team was struggling in. And with the strike rate of 140 in the middle order already, she's just, you know, proven to be this uh, fearless batter, goes in at the death and just hit sixes. And even that for forty twenty, 20 I think, which India lost by seven runs, India could have well won that. And it just, you know, these small game awareness, which they seem to be lacking. Like in that match, Richard Ghosh was batting brilliantly. And then um, I think it was in the penultimate over where Dipti Sharma took a single. And, you know, she was on strike for the 20th over. And India needed around 15 or 16 runs to get in the last over. And it was like, you know that why are you taking the single? When, you know, Richa Ghosh is batting there, you sh- you could have well given the strike to her. And this is not a one-off. This happened in the 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 match, which was tied also. I, it was the 18th over where, where both of them were batting again. And uh, Dipti Sharma took a single and she was on strike for the 19th uh, 19th over, the first ball of the 19th over when Richard Ghosh had a strike rate of 200 uh, in that innings. Uh, If not for Devika Vaidya's, you know, four in the last over India could well have lost lost that match. So it's just this game awareness and all. And because it's happened twice in the same series, in the span of two or three matches, you can't say that, you know, it was just a lapse of concentration. It's something which, you know, maybe you strengthen the support stuff maybe you have a psychologist in there maybe you have a mental health specialist in there you know maybe just have someone to help you with all the other aspects to uh, tell you these small nuances because I think they just have one coach right now one batting coach who is maybe doubling up as the uh, head coach also because Ramesh Pawar was removed and I think that it's these small, small things. If the Indian women's team, they you know work on it, they identify it, and then work on it, they could just become this a superior team. And yeah, they'll keep running Australia close. Won't say they can defeat Australia consistently. That will take some time. But yeah, signs are encouraging.
0: Rishikesh Ganitka, right? The yep, the coach famous for that boundary that he hit against Pakistan to. Yeah. win India that match all those years ago, I think it was 1998, 97, something like that in that final in uh, in Dhaka uh, to, you know, chasing 300 plus in those days was quite something. I mean, look, with him there, obviously he's he's been the batting coach. He's kind of doubling up now. Do you think somebody like him has, has had a word with Dipti though? Because, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, that game awareness and Dipti's not known as a big striker of the ball, but if you look at like, Her intent, I think her intent has been a little bit better in this series. You know, if you bat in that middle order, you've got to be able to score quickly. Otherwise, there's no point in you being there. She got 53 off 34 in the final match and, you know, eight boundaries, six as well. It was in the losing cause, yes, but it was like a lone hand in that Indian Lineup. And, and, you know, I've seen some of the highlights of, of some of those shots and stuff. And there, there was good intent there. She, she's got the capability. Do you think somebody's sat her down and, and they're sort of grooming her alongside Richard Gosch as well as, as these two explosive players in the middle order or at least attacking players in the middle order?
1: Yeah, I I hope that's the case because, yeah, there's a lot of dependence on Mandana right now. I was just looking at the stat where it was something like, you know, almost very similar, really similar to Virat Kohli, both number 18s and, you know, chase masters in their own right and everything. Uh, Mandana, it's when she's uh, unbeaten, nine out of ten times India have gone on to win the match. So, again, shows, you know, the dependence on her and everything. But then she fails and when she fails, it's like, almost like, you know, okay, match is over. It's almost like, you know, how Virat Kohli runs, he departs in a runches, you're like, okay, match is over, something of that that sort. But yeah, it was encouraging to see Dipti Sharma yesterday uh, scoring those runs and especially batting with the intent, as you said, because India have lacked that firepower in the um, middle order. They didn't have Richard Ghosh. It was, you, you could say it was almost a team built of bowlers who could bat a bit and batters who could bowl a bit it was something like that, except the top three or four. So yeah, I, I hope that, you know, Dipti Sharma now carries it forward. The T20 World Cup is coming up and uh, in South Africa. And um, I just hope that um, that is another, you know, step towards changing women's cricket in India. And I hope, you know they finally break the jinx. They'll have to face Australia in the final again. And you know the one year, one time they defeat Australia in the year. I hope it's in the twenty twenty three T twenty World Cup final because what that win will do will be huge for Indian cricket.
0: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So the T twenty World Cup coming up as well as the women's IPL shortly after that. Right, we'll take another short break and we'll
2: be back on the other side. Hi. I'm Mark Mjano, broadcaster and Sri Lankan cricket fan. Every week Estelle Vazu, Devon and myself will drop several episodes of Sri Lanka on 99.94, keeping you up to date on the latest from the Sri Lankan cricketing world. If you want to know what Hassaranga is up to, where Athapatu is scored her runs or what Naroshan Dickwala has been discussing behind the stumps, then make sure to watch or listen to Sri on 99.94. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube and on the 99.9 for out. Join the shrunken crooked conversation and get involved. So, we mentioned
0: the the T20 World Cup. Obviously, now, you know, looking at the way India performed in these big tournaments, the expectation is for them to get to the final at least. Or, you know, it depends if, if they come up against Australia in the semis. You know, they've they they're got to be there or thereabouts, right? That That is the expectation now for this Indian women's team. Can they get over the line? That's another question. But then straight off the back of that almost is the women's IPL. Are you concerned that the women's IPL, albeit we talked about it's great, it's got its own window, it is going to happen though during the middle of the India versus Australia men's test series, mm-hmm. the Gavaskar Trophy. Are you at all concerned by that?
1: I never really thought of that, but um, I hope, the timings work for them. You know that I hope they're sensible enough to keep eight night matches by the time the tests are over, which will then allow um people who are watching or people who are traveling for the games to be there. And uh, you never know with the BCCL, they'll just slot a game at 2pm in the afternoon like they've done before. So won't be surprised. But yeah, I just hope that they have the sense to place it um, differently. And hopefully, I know I I might be very optimistic or something, but I hope, I wish that that won't really affect uh, women's IPL because from what we've seen in um, in Mumbai, in these five series that, you know, people are there to watch cricket. And as I said, I had said this earlier that Mumbai is a city which is not starved of cricket. It has a lot of cricket. So the fact that, you know, okay, you can understand people going out and watching women's cricket in a place like Bardoodra, maybe, where, which doesn't have an IPL team or... Um, where people are like okay i'm going to see the indian women indian team play uh here in mumbai there are a lot of internationals the women uh, ipl was there last year all the ipl matches almost all were held in mumbai so you can say that they are not devoid like they don't are not short of cricket but the fact that they willingly went and saw these matches is a huge positive for me uh yeah
0: i might flip it on its head though and say what's the population of Mumbai? About thirty million, fifteen, you know, million. It,
1: yeah, not it's, sure it's,
0: yeah. it's tens of millions of people, right? There's there's a lot of people in Mumbai, and yeah. I might flip it on its head and say, well, out of twenty, thirty million, whatever there is in Mumbai, surely there's forty thousand who are women's <laughs> cricket fans, right? It's it's not a big percentage if you look mm. at it like that. So mm. yeah, it's great they went. But there's always going to be people, I mean, it's, it's like you say, it's still the national team, it's still India. Mm. And if these are people who do follow the women's national team, then there's, there's a lot of people in Mumbai, and this is just a small yeah. percentage yeah. of them, yeah. you know, there might be 25 million people or 28 million people who don't care about women's cricket in Mumbai as well. But I think the thing that really impressed me was the viewing figures, right? Because you, you, we don't have official figures for television viewing, which is obviously still going to be the number one you would assume. But even the streaming figures on Hotstar were yeah. outrageous. They were brilliant. And that, I think, sort of rubber stamps the interest in women's cricket. The crowds are one thing, but in a city like Mumbai, we've got so many people, Is hit and miss. Because it's like in London, right? If you're playing in England, in London there's there's you know 10 million people there's bound to be at least 20,000 of those who are big Test cricket fans. That's why they sell out the Oval and Lords and whatever. But if you look at it, probably 9.95 million don't, don't even like cricket, don't know about cricket. So, you know, you, you can get a false sort of sense from that. But I think those viewing figures, that's what really did it for mm. me. They were they were really impressive, weren't they, on Hotstar?
1: Yeah, by the For T20i, by the end, it was 12 lakhs, which is like more than what the Super Over even had. So again, I think the timing also worked. The fact that the men's team weren't playing at exactly the same time. I don't know if you remember, uh, it was India versus South Africa in 2021 when... The Indian women's team played a match from 7pm against South Africa and the Indian men's team was playing a T20i series against England on the same day, at the same time, 7pm. Uh, obviously, people are going to watch the men's team, like that's that's a no-brainer. Uh, there are some who will watch with two screens and all. Uh, but yeah, again, it's just how you market the series, how you market the women's team, that's, that's more important important. And just one more question I had about, you know, people going on and watching these matches. Do you think, uh, with the IPL coming up, do you think think these bigger centres should host matches or, you know, uh, places like, um, you can say, Vadodara or uh, places which don't host a lot of international matches? So, people might go and see matches in Vadodara, but then you know the overall count and every just the vibe in a place like Mumbai or a Bangalore where people are watching will be greater and will create more buzz. So, uh, do you think which do you think will be better for women's cricket?
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously, being in the big stadiums in big cities is great for the cricketers mm-hmm. themselves to get to play in these stadiums and hopefully in front of big crowds. But then, yeah, taking the game. To smaller towns. And it's not just the women's game, the, the men's game should be doing it a little bit more often as well. I, I used to like the idea and I hope it comes back of these sort of second stadiums for IPL franchises. And maybe the women's IPL can follow a similar path where if there is a Mumbai franchise, they play X amount of matches in Mumbai, but they go and play a couple somewhere else. And you know, whether it be Pune or whether it be somewhere else in Maharashtra. Um, and, you know, same goes for, for like a, a franchise from mm-hmm. Punjab, for example, do they go and play in Haryana or, you know, it's, there There are different options of, of doing it. You don't have to play all your matches in in smaller towns and you could play the odd one or two just to give those fans an opportunity to see the game, to to spread the game far and wide. So I do like that idea. I think a lot does also depend on the broadcasters who gets the rights mm-hmm. and, do these big shot commentators and and big companies like Star? Do they really want to go to these outbacks? They they want to have a good time, don't they? In big cities and uh, you know nightlife isn't necessarily good in certain places. Um, so you know those, those things. It's the reality. Those things come into it. Um, so hopefully they you know they do spread it a little bit. Um, but it'd be nice to see the the women getting to play in these big stadiums as well. Can you imagine? A women's IPL final at the Narendra Modi Stadium in in Ahmedabad, (laughs) and it's a sellout, you know, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it, for the women's game? That that would be better than having it in Vadodara or wherever. So, you know, I think there is a a scope for that. But I hope they don't just completely discard the big stadiums because they deserve it. They've been waiting a long time, these women
1: and there are there there are better facilities like obviously there will be better facilities at the probon or the dy Patil than it will be in uh this smaller town so that is something which the indian women's team need also right now so um yeah again i'm torn between between where it should be held and all but at least for the first Edition of the IPL, I would want it to be held in these bigger stadiums where Chinnaswamy and Wankhede. Um, maybe I don't know if Wankhede will hold them host the matches, but wherever it is, you know, I hope and Eden Gardens. Hopefully, I'll I would want Richard Ghosh playing for my KKR team, and uh, it'll be like, uh, yeah. Just having, you know, people supporting, going out and supporting. And then maybe from the next season or so, you can uh, expand a bit, you can go down to the um, other venues. But at least for the first season, I would hope that it's in these bigger venues so that the just for the reason the BCCI don't say, oh, see, no one is coming and watching women's games in this place or that place so just for that reason I want at least for the first season first few seasons it's held in these bigger stadiums and it's good for the players also you know that I've I've played at Chinnaswamy, I've played at Eden Gardens so yeah
0: absolutely yeah but we await further details uh, of the women's IPL hopefully we'll get those details soon and we'll discuss just quickly Sarah before we sign off at the time of recording this podcast I'm hearing Kale Rahul has got injured in the nets in the build-up to the second test in Bangladesh. So no Roy Sharma, <laughs> potentially no Kale Raul. So if Raul does miss that second test, we're hearing Pujara will be the captain. That'll be India's fifth captain, fifth captain in seven test matches, including Virat Kohli. You know, it seems like such a long time ago. He He's obviously out of the frame now. He doesn't need it. We'd love to see it, but it's it's not going to happen. Um do, who, who would you have? If if Rahul misses out, obviously Shubman would still open the batting. Who, who would you bring in?
1: I hope Abhin Manu Ishwaran comes in, but I think they'll go in with Pujara um at the top of the order. That's what I feel they'll do.
0: Pujara top, yeah, and then who comes in?
1: Who comes in? Um, Jaidevu Nutcut maybe, but then extra they'll have bowler. three seamers. Yeah, they'll have three seamers. Mm. Do they have an extra batter? I'm not sure what the squad is like. Saurav Kumar is there. He bats a bit.
0: No, yeah, but yeah, with Rohit injured and and yeah, they're they're bang out of options pretty much. Um, I'd yeah. love to see when I'd get get a go. Um, look, we wish Rahul all the best. We hope he's not that serious and and that he is fit.
1: There, is there a series where except the World Cup and Nisha Cup where? Is there a bilateral series in the longest time where both Rahul and Rohit Sharma have played together? I, I can't seem to remember. <laughs> it's... England
0: 2021.
1: Yeah, after that, they've never played yeah. together. Wow. I yeah.
0: think it was that. I may yeah. be wrong. I
1: think they played against Australia, T20i series this year before the World Cup, but that was that was
0: in the run-up to the world cup wasn't it so yeah they were they were involved Mm. in the world cup obviously together um but yeah bilaterals tours full tours it's been a while um Mm. but anyway we wish rahul all the best hope he recovers in time Uh, by the time you're listening to this uh, podcast you may well know the answer to that anyway thanks for listening to india on 99.94 where we speak cricket every day Please rate, review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at Nikesh and at Swaris16. Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. Cricket every day, your way.
2: Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix?